Hello, and welcome to What We Brought Home with your hosts, Mike Izzo and Pat McGinty. We invite military veterans to anonymously share their stories of war and service, specifically the stories that they hide from the world. The stories featured on this podcast often include sensitive topics like death and violence that might be triggering for some. At times, you might even hear us or our guests laugh at situations that are actually quite serious. Like other jobs that involve life or death situations, grim and ironic humor is often a way to cope. Listener discretion is advised. Also at times, you may notice breaks in the audio. We take anonymity very seriously and we edit stories to protect the identities of the storyteller and others involved. Finally, if what you hear in this episode reminds you of one of your own experiences and you want to share your story, let us know. If it's something from your time in service that you often think about, but rarely talk about, you're not alone. We're here to listen with no judgment. All stories are shared anonymously. Go ahead and visit our website, whatwebroughthome.com, to learn more. Hello, everyone. I'm Mike Izzo. I'm here with Pat McGinty and our, our next guest. He's an Army veteran from an infantry unit. Uh, I'll let him talk a little bit more about his experience. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. I was in the Army for about eight years. I was on my third deployment. Uh, around, I, th- I think I had been in the Army for about five, maybe four or five years at this point. So you, you get a pretty good handle on things. And I was a young man. I was, I was 20 one, maybe 22 at the time. And after deploying three times and being 21, I kind of think you're, you're um, invincible a little bit. Like, oh, you know, it happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. And then uh, one day I get called. Uh, we were living in shipping containers at the time. And I get called to my squad leader's room. And... I walk in and immediately you can tell that something is wrong because he's, he was a very, my squad leader was a very jovial guy. He was always laughing, always smiling. And uh, he had this very serious look on his face. And I remember he wasn't looking anyone in the eye. And once, once the entire squad had got there, he says, listen, there's no easy way to say this, but uh, we lost somebody. And that, that meant that um, we had uh, a member of our unit had, had been uh, killed. And it turns out it was a guy I knew personally. And when that happened, it was kind of like, everything it, it it becomes real at that point like you always think it's going to happen to somebody else but then it happens to somebody you know and uh things changed after that uh like i said everything became a little bit more real everything became just a little bit more dangerous i still did my job but i was definitely a lot more cognizant of the danger that i was in 
fast forward a couple months, we, we, we go home and every, after every deployment, we would have a uh, remembrance ceremony where the, the families of the fallen would come and we would read their names and we would have a, a, a and somebody would say something and it, it would be a nice way to, to remember the people that we had lost. And we did it every deployment. Um, and the way you do it in the army is you do this thing called the last roll call where uh, the commanding officer will say the fallen's name three times. He'll say it once. He'll say it a, a, a second time, his full name. And the third time he'll say his full name and his rank. And then somebody will say, uh, he's not here. I don't, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't think about this a lot. And I, I don't think I've ever actually said the story out loud. Um, uh, he says, he's not, he's not here, uh, Sergeant Major. He's, uh, he's, no, he's no longer with us. And um, so when it comes time to say my friend's name, they say his name once, um, no issues. They say his name a second time, again, no issues. And on the th third time that they said his name, his mother was there. And she didn't, she didn't cry out. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't wail. You know, she didn't do all the normal stuff that you think somebody would do in a moment of anguish. She just gasped. It was just, just a quick, just, you know, like maybe she realized that this is it. You know, he's not, he's gone. He's not coming back. And uh, I'll never forget the sound of that gasp. Because I always figured uh, that was the sound of a heart breaking. Afterwards, we all went to someone's house, the whole the whole unit and the family, and this is actually the funny part of the story, if there is a funny part, but uh, it turns out that this particular uh, soldier had somehow been related to a, uh, a professional wrestler from the, from, from the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're at this funeral, right? But, but, you know, all the sad parts over now. So now we're all having fun, you know, enjoying cold ones. And he's taking pictures with everybody, pretending to choke us, pretending to hit us with chairs. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah. And, uh, and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, gee whiz, you know, just only in the army where you can have, like this terrible experience in the morning, and then at that night, everyone's three sheets to the wind, hanging out with one of your heroes from when you were growing up. <laughs> like, who's, who, who does this happen to? Well, it happens to me. Uh, yeah, not a typical way to deal with grief. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but um, uh, and it's it's not a long story, but. I don't under, well, you know what? I, I do understand why it affects me so much because 
I've been shot at. I've been near explosions. You know, I've been in a lot of very dangerous situations. That never bothered me because I was ready for that. Uh, that's what I had signed up for. That's what I wanted to do. But what I wasn't ready for was the human emotion of realizing that someone you loved is now gone. And like being in that very intimate moment with someone that, who I had never met before. And that was, for, for whatever reason, that's always been really hard for me to, for me to process. Like just maybe the raw emotion of it. Yeah, uh, sorry, the person you had met before, you're talking about the mother? Yes, correct. Yeah, right. Like I, like I said, I I known her son. Like we we yeah. we were we were friends, but I had never met her personally. Right. Like I said, that that sound of that woman gasping is 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 always going to be with me, and I don't think I want to forget it. To be honest with you, that's you know an incredibly powerful moment. Just as you're telling your story, I'm I'm remembering the memorial ceremony that we had after our deployment, and mm-hmm. to like paint the scene, it's soldiers stand in formation all day, every day, sometimes <laughs> every yeah. morning you're up, you're standing in formation. Everyone, you take accountability. It's like breathing in the army. Uh, you know, you do it in the morning, you do it middle of the day, you do it in the afternoon. If someone's missing from that formation, it's a, and, and you don't know why it's a huge deal. And so, and so the symbolism of that ceremony is so powerful because, um, and it's obviously done intentionally. They know the person's not going to be there. Uh, you know, they stand everyone up there. You're all, everyone's in their uniforms. There's an audience, and ceremonially, the, uh, you know, the first sergeant or the commander, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, calls out the last name. Typically, you just call it, typically, we just refer to people with last names. And then, yeah. then you say, like, first and last name. And then, I, and then yeah, like you said, rank. Um, yeah, full name thought, and rank, yep. It, it's like, no doubt, it, this is the exact person we're looking for. And, yeah, and then, like, and that's when, gone. yeah, they're not here. And, it yeah, I'm getting chills thinking about it myself right you know? <laughs> like uh, it's like especially when when that guy in the back and it's always some guy in the back who pipes up he says he's not here he's no longer with us yeah just the finality of the moment everyone loves a good war story but no one no not too many people want to hear want to hear something like that and yeah. it's it, it's because it's a sad one you know yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> thanks for um opening up like that you know um it takes a, a level of personal courage to put that out there that you were, um, you know, your how you feel about it and getting a little choked up. Um, I think it's important that we understand that it's okay to have those feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> your story actually, so it, it hits really close to home for me. I lost uh, um, who I was really close with and uh this was at the memorial service uh, overseas in Iraq. I remember not feeling any emotion. Mm. And, and that is, that's, that's stuck with me and it's bothered me uh, ever since because like I said, I was really close with this guy. Um, we spent a lot of time together. He was a amazing human being. Um, and I, I, I like I, at the memorial. I remember thinking in my head, "How come you can't cry?" Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I think since, you were just in work mode, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I since think... then, I, you know, I've, I've expressed, um, you know, sorrow and grief and all of that about it. Yeah. But um, that always bothered me. Like, why can't? Why? Why didn't I feel anything at this? You know. And but I echo your sort of statement that that during that roll call, you know, it just like sort of sends chills down your, your spine. And, 
um <clears throat> same thing though i just remember like yeah it was like i was removed from myself or something yeah I don't know. it's such a surreal experience to go through one of those um especially when you know the person yeah I, you, you you said uh work mode and <clears throat> i i remember that whole year i i uh the, my whole i was gone for a year and i remember the time leading up to it my grandmother died like two literally two weeks before i deployed and like wow did not didn't shed a tear at the entire the whole process man and like yeah. and i was like what is going on i think i was already like preparing i think i was already emotionally preparing for deployment and i so i know exactly what you're talking about like and and pat i felt the same way i don't think i cried at all the whole year and i think it's taken me years to like to like turn it to like wind that down so yeah i, I feel like it's a yeah work mode's the right way to define it, man. You're just like, I get a job here. Other, there, there are other things that are going to feel really weird. They just don't fit into this box because I'm like, try, I'm trying to like just get stuff done right now and put it away and deal with it later. But it's very, I'm, I'm glad you said deal with it later because you eventually yeah. do have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, and right. I, I think some of the, a, a lot of the problems that guys have is when they, they try to just, for whatever reason, maybe it's socially acceptable. Maybe they think that's what they're supposed to do, but they try to stay in that work mode and you cannot stay there. Like that is, that is a recipe for disaster. Yep. And I mean, I've, I, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've, I've been out now for eight years. <laughs> Feels like yesterday I drove away. <laughs> eight years. Where did that go? <laughs> In that time, I, 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 I've been very fortunate where I have a good support system of people who, were, who wouldn't judge me and they tell me to get help when I needed help. And I, you know, I've, I've seen therapists and uh, I've talked through some of my issues and, you know, so, some days are better than others, but it's, it's very important to eventually get out of work mode because I think you you almost enjoy life more when you're out of work mode because, I mean, emotions, even the bad ones, they're important. That's 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 what that's what makes life worth living sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Yeah, I know. At the time, whether it was like intentionally or unintentionally, I said like, deal with this later. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe, I, or maybe I didn't even like. Yeah, maybe at the time I was like, I don't need to deal with this, and and, I, and it won't come up later, but it it definitely yeah. does. No, it always, it always comes it always up somehow. Yeah. yeah. So oh yeah, so so we've been talking about like this, the two different places where these ceremonies typically happen. They either happen a few days after the person died mm-hmm. in country, yep. or they happen, you know, one to four to six to however many months they do. Maybe yeah. you know sometimes they do like a a second one at home, uh, and oftentimes it's when definitely when it's home only when it's home or when the family are there because the family don't go to go in country. You know, there's, it's only soldiers from the unit in country, but when it happens in the States, typically immediate family is there, you know, the unit arranges to get them there. And yeah, we, we had one uh, in our unit. We we actually dedicated, it was partly like that ceremony, but also it was a dedication. I think of like a, a field in our battalion area, they dedicated to some of the soldiers who we lost. And yeah. And I remember the family being there and, and yeah, and being around those family members is a is a powerful experience, and and I'm I'm just trying to like assess the different feelings I had at the time because I, I I 
I think I, I think I remember feeling like some guilt, you know, like, yeah, survival's right? guilt. Yep. I've been there. That is a tough, tough thing to feel. You're like, yeah, we all went together and yeah. I'm, I'm going to, you know, in callous language here, like so, some of us got the short end of the stick on this deployment yeah. <laughs> and like, you, uh, you know, that, that, that's like what something, you know, some parts of me in my head are saying, right. It's like, it's like, man, yeah, I feel, I feel guilty for having made it back and your, your son or, you know, daughter did not. Yeah. And, and you got to look at these people who are like, Hey, you all went together and, you know, here we are bearing this incredibly, this burden that's so much heavier than everyone else's. I'll definitely remember that feeling of, but that experience of being around family members, gold star families, you know, I remember that forever. They they obviously have a much much worse outcome compared to everyone else, and it, and and they're they're the ones bearing that burden mm-hmm. for us. Talking about survivor's guilt is uh, that was that was one of the things I had to work through. You know, um, some of the guys. Um, now th- this particular guy, he didn't he doesn't he was a young man like me. He didn't he wasn't really connected to anybody. But some of the other guys that would get hit, you know, they got families, they got wives, they got kids. And you do meet them at these gold star uh, events. I, I don't know about you guys, but I would always think, well, why, why not me? You know, no one's going to miss me. Yeah, why, why wasn't why why didn't my ticket get punched? But like, that's just one of the things you got to work through. And it's not it's a hundred percent not true that no one's going to miss you when you're gone. I don't care who you are. You got somebody that's yep. going to miss you. But it's really hard to think that way when you're standing in front of those people. Yeah. Did you have an opportunity to speak with his mom or to like interact with her beyond just what you told in your story? Had I been an older man, I, I would have taken that opportunity too, but mm-hmm. I was a young bashful kid. You know, I wasn't going to say anything. I just yeah. kind of, I, I just wanted to go to the to the after party where we were all going to hang out with that wrestler guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you this. I introduced myself to him. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Right, no, no shame so, in that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Pick your shots. <laughs> it's just such a difficult interaction to have, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, at least for me personally, I had no idea what to say, no idea how to act. Like, and same thing. I, you know, I was a young guy. I was immature compared to how I am now, and you don't yep. have those tools to sort of to to interact with someone like that. And uh, it's just, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I, I was thinking about too is, as as you were just commenting, is about the survivor skill. It's like. I think part of the the shock of it is dealing with the randomness, right? Like, oh my god, yeah. Like, why did that guy get hit and I didn't? You know, it was just, it's just so random. Like the luck of where you are in the convoy, or the luck yeah. of what uh, intersection you stopped at, or um, you know which direction you were facing in the turret, or whatever it is. It's like yeah. it's just so random, which makes it so much harder to process i guess for me i don't know there's no meaning to it there has to be a meaning to something as powerful as that but yeah there isn't that's a great way to put it yeah it was it was 30 people walked by that spot in the ground but this one guy found the pressure plate and 
Right. That's just how it is. You got to move on. Yeah. Yeah. It, yep. That's, I don't know. That's just so jarring. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, okay, I'm going to walk outside the base right now. Oh, wait, I got to take a piss. Like yeah. if I take a piss or don't take a piss, I'm outside like, you know, one minute earlier, or like, you know, one minute later and like that. Yeah. I think I remember thinking about that on deployment being like, look, like I can analyze every single action I take here, but like, it doesn't matter. Cause like, like, you know, I could, I could do one thing and it could, it could affect things either way. Like it could, it could, you know, make me safer or, or less safe. It's, it's just like, yeah, I, I think for a minute I was, I, I found like, I realized I could go crazy pretty quickly thinking that way and then kind of having to let go and, and say like, look, I, I just got to do what I got to do. And there's a certain amount of fate wrapped into this whole thing. And I just got to accept that. See, I, uh, I had almost the exact same feeling. I, I kept thinking every time we would, we would go out, I, I kept thinking, well, this is it. You know, you can only be lucky so many times. Wow. And yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking now maybe just my nerves were shot. It's similar, similar to what you experienced. I figured this is no way to be like, you're going to get yourself or someone else hurt. So just focus on the mission and keep going. And, and but that's, that's another issue is when the, when there's no more mission, like, what do you focus on? You know? And again, that's, that's when guys get in trouble. S- something that helps a lot of guys, myself included, is just having something to focus on. So as long as there's another mission, as long as there's something else to do, as long as you have a goal to move towards, then you don't have to focus on things or you don't even think about things like the sound of that woman making that gas. You can focus on something else. When guys get out, the mission's end. And yeah. there's no more goals to move towards. And there's almost this feeling of melancholy that a lot of guys get, myself included. And that's, that's where a lot of guys get a little tripped up. So what you have to do is you have to start setting goals for yourself. Like I've, you know, I've been out eight years. I, in that time, I've went to college. I've had a couple of jobs. I, I've, I've done pretty well for myself I, in, in my own estimation. But it's because I kept setting goals because I knew that, and this is through personal experience, if, if I don't set the goals, then uh, I'm going to start to get a little depressed and things are going to spiral downwards. So you just, you have to keep, you have to keep moving that goalpost. The, the kind of people that join the military are usually goal-oriented people. And if you, if you take that away from them, it's almost like there's something missing. Yeah, uh, I, I had the exact same experience when I got out of the army. I was um, uh, a little bit lost. Um, I missed having something to work towards. Exactly. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, and I I spent some time struggling through that. And then on top of that, I feel like you also missed the. Um, the team experience, right? Oh, so, yeah. Like... Oh, yeah. I've been searching for that since I've been out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough to find. It, it is tough. That sense of community, you know? Yeah. Right. It's... And so you combine those two things, and it's it's a quick spiral down. Yeah. Uh, and you can get lost in that real quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm, I was curious to hear more about this friend of yours, you know, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about him, how you knew him. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we, uh, we had met on, uh, I did, 
I was on a very small team, um, and uh, he was there with me. And it's only a, a group of about six people. So you end up getting really uh, uh, friendly with the other guys on the team. So like I said, we were, we were friendly. Uh, I wouldn't call us like close friends or best friends, but we did know each other. And, but um, like I said, when, when you know the person that gets hit, it takes on a whole different level of um, severity because it's not just, you know, a picture on a wall anymore. This is, yeah. this is, Oh, that's, that's so-and-so. I, I knew him. We hung out together. We've talked about things. And like I said, that's when, when it got just a little bit more real and uh, everything, the, the level of danger kind of became a little bit more pronounced to me. And it, I mean, I chalked that up to the inexperience of youth too. Like, uh, how many how many young guys think they're ten feet tall and bulletproof? You know, all of them, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, and it just seemed like the older I got, the the more I kind of understood that the, the potential hazards of the job that I was doing. He he was he was a good person. I enjoyed his company. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, really, uh, I'm I'm truly honored to 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 have you here uh to be able to talk to you and 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 have you share this story with us um i I, it's obviously a very powerful story uh for you and and i i I completely i know why and uh and yeah like i said i'm 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 just honored that you've decided to to open up to us and share it with us today and, and 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 with our listeners so so thank you this was a great experience and i i was really uh I mean, your story hit home so hard. I, I don't think it's a picture that many people get of what what some veterans have uh, dealt with, you know. So thank you for opening up about that, and all the best to you. Thank you, guys. And you, you guys are doing important work. Sebastian Younger, guy did Restrepo, wrote that book, Tribe. Mm-hmm. He talks about doing uh, veteran town halls where guys yeah. get to – come in and sit, tell their story and he thinks it would be very very helpful to the veteran community and that's what you guys are doing and my hat's off to you Thank thanks you. appreciate that thanks so and much I, I love sebastian younger <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway that means a lot for you to say that yeah. thank you um and and we're i love doing this <laughs> i love I, I mean i love talking to veterans like you and talking and talking to pat and and uh about this stuff, it, it I get so much out of it, and I really hope uh, listeners get, you know, feel feel something similar because it, it I, like I said, I just get so much out of it. And so thank you, thank you for your trust, and thank you for uh, for joining us. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for listening to what we brought home. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe or follow us wherever you find your podcasts. Like we said at the top of the show, if what you've heard here reminds you of one of your own experiences and you want to tell your story, let us know. We're always looking to talk to fellow veterans. All stories are shared anonymously. Go ahead and visit our website, whatwebroughthome.com, to learn more. Thanks again for listening.